0: Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Jeffrey. <laughs> Thanks, Vicki. Uh, hi, everybody. Vita, thank you for asking me to um, to lead tonight. Uh, welcome to all of the newcomers. Oh, sorry, I'm Jeffrey. I should know this by now. I'm Jeffrey. Hi,
1: Jeffrey.
0: I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, uh, welcome to all the, the newcomers, people. Uh, Ruth, congratulations. Um, this is actually a very, very special meeting for me. Uh, number one, it's special because it was here when I needed it. And uh, number two, I met my wife sitting right over there. She's not here. I'm just saying that's where I met her. That's where I met her uh, over there. Um, I brought some pictures that I'll pass around. Um, so I came, um, I came into OA in September of 2006. And... Um, and I weigh close to 300 pounds, and I, I, bring, I only had one piece of clothing that I kept from back then, and I, and I haven't put it on, um, I put it on the last time I led this meeting, which was, I don't know, three, four years ago, but I'll put it on now, and uh, this, is, this is what it was like. This was a, this is my sport jacket that I wore, I remember when I bought it, and I remember that it was tight on me, and um, this was it. This was my size 56 sport jacket that I wore and went on interviews with, and, um, and I still keep it in my closet, and it's just absolutely insane and incredible to me. Um, what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. Um, so I grew up on the East Coast. And I had a very loving family. I had a parents who supported me in everything that I wanted to do. Uh, they loved me. Um, I had an older brother and an older sister. Um, and at a very young age, I remember my first bit of compulsive overeating was I, um, my parents found I, I locked myself in the cage of my dog, and I used to eat the dog food. And... Um, And I don't really know why I did that, but I did it. You know, this is part of my story. So I was eating the dog food when I was a really young kid. And um, I don't know, maybe three, four years old. Um, It was not uncommon for my family to go out to dinner and then on the way back stop for a pizza somewhere. That's that was a normal thing. That was not out of the ordinary. Um, There were a couple things that happened in my life that I I mean, I believe that I was uh, that I am predisposed to being a bit heavier. Most of the people in my family have weight issues Um, and not a lot of people do a lot of things about it. And 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 I can tell you that there were a couple things that happened in my life where I can look back now at pictures and see myself back then. And I can see that when these events happened, the weight really started coming on. Um, one was uh, my parents splitting up. And one that's, you know, it's just part of my story. I had, a, um, I had an inappropriate relationship with my best friend's mother at a very young age. And I can remember looking back at, at the pictures back then, and I can just see, I mean, when I was a kid, the, the word that, that I can't even stand to this day is husky. Because I used to have to go to the store and buy husky husky clothes, husky sport jackets, um, and just that word—it's just um, you know—you're automatically different. You can't go to the regular department; you got to go to the big guy department because you can't fit in any clothes. Um, and you know. And I remember seeing pictures, and, and I would be, I remember at a certain age, I was thin, I was active, I was doing things, and then slowly my weight just started to go up and up and up. And it's specifically, I remember at nine years old, I can. I still have the, the image of my picture at camp, but I was just this, this this, chubby kid, and I never, ever felt, I never felt comfortable with my body, ever. Um, and, even, and, and what's so crazy is that I can look back today and see some of those pictures, and um, in some of them, I was... Just a normal kid, thin. But I had absolutely no um, no, no, sense of my own body, no sense of, of, of myself. I had, I had nothing. I grew up, um, my father was really, really wealthy, and um, I, I lived off of him for a very long time, and that's a big part of my story as well. And I always felt entitled. I always felt that um, the world owed me something. Uh, I I was a hard worker, but I felt as though um, things were going to come to me. Things were going to come to me because my dad was rich. And I didn't have to worry about anything. (laughs) Oh, man, let me tell you, that changed quite a bit. Um, But, um, so, I mean, that's part of what it was like when I was a little kid. And I just, you know, I just ate. That was what I did. I mean, I remember coming home from school and making food, and that was my, some people do some things, some people do other things. I just ate. That's what I did. And, I, and it made me feel good. It, it just, it's, uh, you know, they talk about that God-sized hole, and I would just eat and eat, and I could just feel the feelings just, well, there really weren't any feelings, because I was just pushing them all down. And um, and that is what I knew. That is really all that I knew. And it's amazing when I think about coming into program many years later um, that we talk about, you know, there is a solution. Well, I never thought there was a solution. I thought that that's the way that my life was supposed to be. And even though my dad was rich and I could have whatever I wanted, um, what, what are the things that I didn't have? Well, I didn't have relationships, you know. Um, I had a lot of time with myself. Um, I didn't have any connections to people. I had connections to food, and I had connections to restaurants. Um, I remember, I had a a woman that I was very good friends with in college, and uh, she and I were very good friends, very good friends. And I remember she was, I was moving to to the West Coast, And we were out walking in New York and it was my birthday. Our birthdays were a couple days apart. And she said to me, she said, you know, I've known you for 10 years and I just realized that I have absolutely no idea what to get you for your birthday because I don't know anything about you. And I remember I, you know, I was walking with her and I just said, you're right. You don't know anything about me. You really don't. And that was one of my really good friends a really good friend that knew nothing about me. Um, In high school, I never went on dates. Um, You know, I didn't really go to the dances. Uh, I spent a lot of time by myself, and I I enjoy my own company, I really do, but I think I would have enjoyed being more social with people, but my weight and the way that I felt about myself uh, kept me from enjoying a lot of things in life, and that carried over into college as well. When I got to college, um, I remember at the end of classes I would come back to my dorm room and I would stay in my dorm room. I remember on Friday I would, I would just come back at 5 or 6 o'clock. I wouldn't go out again until Monday. I mean, I would go out to eat and I would have food delivered sometimes, but I didn't do anything social. I didn't like it. Um, and it really was because I was so, so uncomfortable um, with myself, and you'll look at some of the pictures. I've got a smile on my face, you know. I was always the life of the party when I was at places, but I always left alone, and I never went home to anybody else. Uh, it was just me. And I remember, oh my God, I remember this when I turned thirty. Um, wow, that was a tough. tough I'm forty seven now. When I turned thirty, I was living in New York. And my family came, we went out to dinner, and I just remember that was a tough one. It wasn't so much that I was turning 30, it was the fact that I had left my 20s behind and I did absolutely nothing. You have no idea the amount of time that I wasted in my life. Um, I spent years, years in isolation, away from other people. Um, I haven't talked about this in a a long time, but I I spent years just, just... you know, um, just not just not being a productive member of society, not being self-supporting. Um, uh, you know, my my um, you know when I got into college and when I left college, my relationships consisted of, of hookers, I mean, that's what I did. That's what I that's where I got my companionship, and it was never it didn't even it wasn't even about sex. It was just about having another person that I could talk to. And, um, and try to be close to because I just, couldn't, I just couldn't cope. I could not cope on the outside world. I never had any kind of feelings of suicide. I was never like that. It was just, I, would just, I preferred my own company. I just preferred my own company to anybody else's. And, you know, when you are a compulsive overeater like I was, um, there's really not many people that you can hang out with. I mean, who's going to do the kinds of things that I did to my own body? The the kind of eating that I did—it was just a nonstop eating festival, all day long. And I know a lot of you in here—they're very familiar. There's a lot of people that I don't know, but it's um, to to feel like you don't have a choice, and you can't stop eating. I couldn't stop eating. It is ridiculous. I couldn't stop eating. Um, I will tell you that to this day, I have no off button. There is no off button in my life. If there is, I I can just continue to eat, and I will not feel full until everything is gone. Part of my story. I mean, it's it's just part of my story. By the way, that pink cloud that I had when I first came into program for about a year and a half, that's a distant memory. It's a, <laughs> it's a distant memory. And I'll tell you, I always thought that I'd have it. I really, really thought that I'd have it. But um, uh, I will tell you that the program, it is a simple program, but the one that gets in the way all the time is me, you know? I mean, I'm the one that gets in my own way. Um, so, is sort of what it was like. What um, What happened? What happened was amazing. It was incredibly beautiful what happened. I had a, a, a very dear friend um, who was an AA, and unfortunately, um, he just took his own life in April. He was a close friend, and it's very sad. But I was living in the Valley at the time. I had moved to, to L.A., and uh, I was living in the Valley right across from the church every, you know, for the, the Studio City meetings every morning at 7.30. And he would go to the meetings at 9 o'clock, and he said to me, he goes, you know, Jeff, he's like, I'm seeing a lot of people coming out of those meetings, and like, they start off fat and they're coming out thin. <laughs> and um, he's like, "You should check it out." So, uh, so I did. I checked it out.
1: And I
0: remember, and i i went to a, I went to a meeting. I went to meetings for thirty days, and I I I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I hated. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't stand the God talk. Uh, and I'm a big believer in God, but I just couldn't. I have always felt like I have my own personal relationship with God, and when I heard people talk about it, it would make me incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I remember there was a woman uh, who had a license plate, and I, and I know she's not around anymore, but it, her license plate was powerless, and I can still, I can still feel the, this feeling of uh, just disgust at, at that somebody would advertise that they were powerless. It just didn't make any sense to me. And I didn't, like, I didn't like the people. I just didn't like the people. Um, and I left after 30 days. I didn't eat sugar for 30 days. Um, and then I left for 30 days, and I was out for a couple more years, and I had a, a lot more eating to do and a lot more weight to gain. Um, and I remember when I came back in 2006, and I remember that those meetings were there. And I had just, um, I had come to a point in my life where I believed, I, inst- I instinctually knew that my way of doing things was done. I was done. I was just done. I couldn't, uh, I just couldn't do it anymore. I had just come to a point in my life where um, I was exhausted and, um, and, I mean, I don't have to go into all the food that I used to eat, but I will tell you that I used to, I remember on Saturdays I would leave my apartment and I would go to Malibu and it was I mean this it started at five thirty in the morning and it did not stop until I came home at night. And I was so full that I'd have to sit on my couch naked with a towel around me because no clothes were fitting me at that point. And I would go to sleep and I would have to I'd have to lay a towel down on the on the bed and a towel on my pillow because Every night, I would throw up in my sleep, and I would sweat like you can't believe it. I mean, my, my, my towels would be drenched the next morning. And um, and it's pretty demoralizing to be sitting on your couch naked, you know, when I threw the food out already that's in the garbage can, and then I go back to the food that's in the garbage. I, I did that. I went back into the food that was in the garbage and rubbish through it because it was there and it needed to be in here. So I came into program again and I saw a lot of the people that I had seen a couple years ago, but the only difference was is that um, the people that were talking, you know, they started making a lot of sense. And so there was, um, it's very strange to be talking about all this stuff again, it's been a while, but um there was a guy in in, in the meetings who was uh, who became my first sponsor. He was a great guy, Scott Redmond, who passed away a few years ago. Um, but I remember I went up to him and I said I said uh, I said could could you use a, a sponsee? <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, could you use a sponsor? And I said. Yeah, this time I could use a sponsor. And we started working together, and I started working the steps, and it's really important for me to tell this story that um, I was not abstinent while I was working the steps. I was I was still binging. He was, he kept telling me, Jeff, I'm as serious as a heart attack. When If you feel like you're going to eat, because nighttime was a big thing for me, I and mean, I used to wake up and leave and drive to McDonald's at eleven, twelve o'clock at night. I just, it was, I just would wake up, my eyes would open, and I'd just go. And he would say whenever you want to eat, call me. And would are like, Scott, it's like, I'm waking up at midnight. He's like, just call me. But I never, I didn't call him, but I was still working the steps with him. And I was going through, so I was doing my writing. I was going through step one. I was, I was writing on step one and then we would meet. And then I would do step one through the, through the AA 12 and 12. And, and I, and I kept doing it. And then I did step two. And then, and then I did step three. And then when step three was over, Scott got sick. And, um, his plans, he was supposed to move to Florida, so I had found myself another sponsor, but then he wound up staying here, and I felt really badly, but I just said, I found another sponsor, I thought you were going to be leaving, so so I started back the steps again, and, and um, step one, step two, step three, and I, I remember um, I was invited to this food tasting party, <laughs> and um, and I asked another fellow to go with me to this party, and I had, I was I wasn't planning on binging at the party, I was just planning on eating at this food-tasting party. And I said, I said to this woman, I said, there's going to be food there for dinner, so we'll eat. And she said, well, I won't eat because I will have already eaten my dinner by then. And I said, okay, we're going to do a food-tasting party, but if you don't want to eat, that's fine. So, um, but something really amazing happened. We, we went to this food-tasting party, and there were a lot of people there. And we just stood in the center of the room and we we talked. That's all we did. We talked, and I was literally struck absent that night. It was it was a November. I came into the program in September of 2016, and this was November 19th, 18th, 19th um, of of, uh, of the same year, just a couple months later, and I was struck absent that night. the The obsession with food was lifted. It was gone. That was it. That was it. And you know, I used to say that one of the lessons that I learned from that was how important it is to have someone else in program with you, that, that you can't do it alone, that we need other people. And as I've gotten a little bit older and, and I've, I've had more abstinence, um, one of the things that, that it reminds me is that, or the, or the lesson that I take away from it also is, is that I can go into a situation thinking that I'm going to do one thing and wind up doing the complete opposite. That really has nothing to do with me. And, and it was a pretty profound moment for me. So I got, I, I was struck abstinent, and the obsession with food was lifted, and, um, um, and food was no longer an issue. And I started losing weight, and, I, and it's really important for me to say, I never came into OA to lose weight. I knew that my life was supposed to be on this path. And I knew that I was always going to be fat. So when I heard people say to me, even in program in the beginning, you're a hundred pounder, it did not compute to me. I didn't understand what that meant. Um, I was like, there's, I don't have a hundred pounds to lose. Um, I just didn't have any kind of real concept of what my own body was like. Um, and, um, and I just started continuing. I continued to work the steps. And I, and I mean, I remember, man, when I did my my fourth step and my fifth step, um, when I gave away my fourth step, there was some stuff in there that was really bad. I mean, really bad. And I remember holding up my paper, and, and my 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 sponsor at the time was a woman, and it had to do with some stuff with some women, and and I remember just peering over my paper and looking at her to see what her reaction was going to be. And and her reaction, there was no reaction. She just sat there. She just sat there and listened. And I remember at the end of it, it was five and a half hours when it was all done, I said, so what did you think of that, um, you know, that one little part? And she just shook her her head and she said, look at the lengths that you went just to feel. Look at what you had to do just to feel. And it was very profound. It was profound. So I continued to work the steps. And... um, in two thousand and eight, I remember I was in this room, and this woman walked in. A lot of you know who my wife is, and she 's a lot better looking than me and um, and i I just uh, I just I, I, I knew i was like that 's the woman i 'm going to marry. It was the next logical step in my life i had just i had just been I had just been <laughs> taking a good step to have. But I had just been taking one step at a time. Seriously, when I, when I got in and I was reading the steps, when I was on step one, I had no idea what step two was and I didn't care. All I knew was that I wanted what everybody in the rooms had and I was willing to go to any lengths to get it. I was willing to do anything. Now, look, I'm a smart guy. If my sponsor told me to stand on my head in the middle of the street naked, I would not have done that. But, but I was willing to do anything that it took To get what everybody else, or what I thought I saw everybody else have, which was being happy, joyous, and free, was being still, was being uh, self-supporting, a productive member of society, um, uh, loving to myself. Um, I was never loving to myself. So... You know, I, I met my wife in these rooms. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was. We dated for nine. I, don't, we, I asked her to marry me. We got married. Um, we had a little girl in 2012. Um, the absolute most beautiful, incredible thing that I've ever experienced in my life. Um, and I say that because I will still try to sabotage things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The love that I have for my daughter, which is beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. I love my wife, but when you have kids, it's it's a uh, it's a different thing. But even the love that I have for my daughter has, is no match for the food. I mean, it's just it's. Um, I still struggle. I you know I my my story is not. It might sound like it's all this, but it's not. There's a lot in there that you know it's it's hard it's tough it's it's not easy it's uh it's 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 uh it's taking my will back it's um it's uh it's knowing that i have this after all these years but i really don't it's um it's it's not working hard enough at keeping things um and i will tell you that you know what it's like now is um it's a hell of a lot better than it used to be um I still, to this day, there's a movie that I love. Um, can, can I mention the name of the movie? It's it's um it's uh, it's it's that movie with Jack Nicholson and Diane Keaton. Do you know that? Mo- gotta, yeah. Something's got to give. Okay, so
1: <laughs>
0: so th- the last scene of the movie, they're in Paris. Thank you. They're in Paris, and um, you know Keanu Reeves is there, and they're all they're they're having Cornish hens, and they're drinking wine, and they're smoking cigarettes, and and they're laughing, and they're dressed up nice, and it's a nice restaurant. Um, I still love that. <laughs> I mean, I still love that. I really do. It just makes me feel happy. It really does. And and I know that it centers around food, and it centers around a lot of those things, but, you know, that's just part of my story. Um, I um, I'm grateful to this program for all that it's given me because I did not have a life before I came in here. I mean, if you would have told me that I would have, that I'd be married and that I'd have a, uh, now a a five-and-a-half-year-old little girl, um, I would have said, what are you smoking? Because that was just not the trajectory that I saw for my own life. And uh, there was someone in in these rooms that I I, I worked with her for a short time, and there's something in the doctor's opinion that talks about, um, you know, we get a chance to recreate our lives which is something that I didn't really know that we could do until we got in here. And I'll tell you, I didn't talk much about God of the steps. Um, I've always believed in God. Um, I've always had a very close personal relationship with God. I think that it was a little skewed at times because I constantly asked for things for myself. Um, but I can tell you that working the steps, which is what the program is, I mean, it's great to come to meetings, and it's great to read and write and make phone calls and exercise and do whatever, but I don't know, without the steps, this is I don't know what we're doing here. So, um, so working the steps is what brought me closer to God. It brought me closer to other people, and um, it improved my relationship with my higher power. And um, there is absolutely no doubt in my mind, that I had nothing to do with any of this. When, I remember when my second sponsor, people used to come up to her and say, hey, congratulations, Jeff is doing great. She would say, it has nothing to do with me. And it really has nothing to do with me. And, um, and that's how I feel. It's got nothing to do with me. And when I, you know, when I work hard at it, things are easy. And when I don't work hard at it, things are more difficult. And this has not been perfect for me. Um, but my life is a lot better and uh, I really am very grateful and you know like I said I got married in these rooms but some of my closest friends are people that are in these rooms and uh, you know I'm eternally grateful and I, I, I guess I'll just stop now and take a few questions but just if you're new please keep coming back and um, just know that you're not alone but there's a lot of people like you there's a lot of people like us and um You know, we're in a really good place here. And uh, Roy, thanks for starting the meeting a long time ago. So, thank you. (laughs) All right, a few minutes for questions.
1: Do you have a typical morning spiritual practice? Do like, what does that look
0: like and how long does it take? Well, you know, my wife is in program as well. Oh, sorry, yes. Do I have a uh, typical um, uh, uh, spiritual practice in the mornings or what does it look like if I do have one? Uh, my wife is also in program. And um, Oh, my God, Yes. Yeah, so she's in program and I'm in program. So there you go. Um, so w- we wake up a lot in the mornings and we. Uh, We sit on our knees uh, and we read from four or five different little books and we say a few prayers together and that is basically it. And then I'm up and starting my day. Um, More often than not, uh, and I I, I wish I did this more, would be to pause during the day and pray more to God during the day, which is something that I'll have to be reminded of. But I try to start off every day uh, with something where I'm connected. So it's, it's reading through, I think it's... We have four or five books, and then we read through the big book, um, and we um, read the 11-step prayer. We say our own prayers, and then we're up. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Thank you, Jeffrey. Um, how do you bring program into your
1: relationship
0: with your daughter? Oh, how do I bring program into, the, into my relationship with my daughter? So, I, uh, you know, I fall short often. I love my daughter. When I biggest character defects is uh, impatience. I can be very, very impatient. Uh, If anything, it's my daughter who brings it to me. So she will stop me and she will say, Daddy, I'm sensing a high voice right now. I think you would be better if you brought your voice down and, and, and just try better to be more patient
1: <laughs> she 's five and a half
0: years old, and so you know there you go, you know I should ask her to be my sponsor um, but um, uh, it, but in reality, it, it, it happens a lot i mean she she knows she knows we 're in program she, we don 't really it 's not that we hide anything from her, but you know we go to our meetings but but she um, um I feel so lucky because I get a chance to to I get a chance to live with her and to teach her things that were completely different from what I was taught growing up. And my parents, this was not a bad thing. I mean I had a great time growing up and they used, they had the tools that they had are what they brought to the table and, and, and we, we dealt with things the way that the way that we, we dealt with them. Um, but you know you know when I was fourteen my birthday present from my dad was a hooker. I'm never going to do that for my daughter, you know. But some people might. I mean, some people might. But, but I get a chance to, to remember the things that don't work for me and bring them to her. I am incredibly supportive. I look at her every day and kiss her a thousand times a day. Tell her I love her all the time. Tell her she's capable of anything she wants to do. Encourage her with everything that she wants to do. I've had people come up to me and say, "Kudos for you for letting your daughter dress herself." I don't dress my daughter. I let her do it. She can do it. She's got a mind of her own. She wears polka dots and stripes and everything that looks crazy, but I love it. It's it's who she is. So I get a chance to um, I get a chance to take to take what I've learned in here and just. Just try to be a better person with her. Try to be a better person. Anyone else? Yeah. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, can
1: you remember what did wind up helping you with nighttime eating, or was there something that went the way
0: of other behaviors? Uh, sure. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it was. And unfortunately, it's it just. Yes, uh, sorry. Uh, what went the way of the nighttime behaviors of eating at night? And um, unfortunately, and it's part of my story, I never had the experience of having to go through the steps and sit through the discomfort by not eating. That's not part of my story. I was struck abstinent. I was struck abstinent. So it just happened. So I, I don't know what it's like to, to work through at least the first three steps and sit with being uncomfortable because I was still binging. Um, and it wasn't until I went to that food tasting party where I was struck abstinent and that was that was it. So I, I wish that I, I wish that I had that experience, but I don't.
1: You didn't have that experience, but you did a lot of the steps or reading How much did you do before that? You said you were binging and you were doing a lot of step work. How much did you do before
0: you were hit by... Oh, how much, how much step work did I do before I was struck abstinent? I was only... Just the first three steps. It took a... It was... It was, um, I came into program in September of 2006, and then by, by the middle of November, so it was just a few months, uh, a couple months of, uh, of working the steps and, and, and being, I was going to seven, eight meetings a week, uh, and I was only doing that not because anybody told me to, it's because it was the only thing that gave me relief. Um, I remember sitting in the back of the room of every, every meeting that I went to, and I cried through the whole meeting. I did that for a couple months, um, so it was just a couple months of, of, of going through that. Yeah. You've been
1: struck abstinence. What has been your um, abstinence and
0: your plan of eating? Oh, what has been my abstinence my plan of eating? Um, very closely tied together. Uh, it's, um, in terms of uh, what I eat, it's, it's, I eat three meals a day and up to two snacks. Um, I know what a binge is. But in terms of what my first sponsor taught me about being abstinent and what it means to be abstinent, he said to me, he said, "Your abstinence is about the kind of man that you want to become, and the kind of man that you're, the kind of man that you're, you want to become, and the kind of man that God has in store for you." So I look at that quite a bit. Um, it doesn't help me if I'm having a second plate of food, um, but I like to think of it that this is my abstinence is about the kind of man that I want to be, and the kind of person that I want to be for my for my family and for my wife and for my daughter. With food? How do I deal with triggers and temptations with food? Well, there are certain things that I just don't eat. There are certain things that are not an option, so I don't go to them. But I will tell you that I feel that the disease is activated in me with just about anything that I put into my mouth. Because uh, it doesn't matter if it's uh, a piece of candy, which I don't eat. But if it's a Brussels sprout, it's the feeling of that in my body and I can tell you that I just want more. I just want more. My time is up. Thank you very much.